Hello, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. At Ohio State University, the students decided they were going to find something that the school hadn't predicted, hadn't planned for, hadn't set up ahead of time. You see, on their quad, they had sidewalks going all around the quad so students could walk along those sidewalks and get to their buildings. But the students decided that was not the right way for the university to be set up. So they did something that all of us end up doing in one way or another. They found what designers and architects call desired paths. They found their own way to get from classroom to classroom, from building to building. And you can see the top of this picture here. There's well-worn paths in the grass from where they walked. And when Ohio State decided to refurbish the quad, they codified, they paved those well-worn paths, not based on what made sense, but based on what was happening. Because the students had found the way that was best for them to use the campus. And God has given us in our spiritual journey some well-worn paths, some clearly laid out things. Men and women who have followed Christ over the last thousands of years have found some well-worn paths that we want to walk on that are the fastest, the best, the most efficient way for us to go where God wants us to go. I don't know about you, but sometimes my spiritual walk feels like it looks like this. It wanders back and forth. It's a curvy, winding road, and I go to dead ends, and I walk places, and I'm not sure, and I need guidance. In fact, I think all of us need some guidance on our spiritual walk. There's some things we know to do, some standards we know to practice, but there's other things we're not sure about. And so today we're going to be talking about the best spiritual practices that we can walk and discover that God has a well-worn path for us to walk spiritually. Now with everything, there, this isn't a perfect to-do list. In fact, God never wants our relationship with him to become a to-do list. He wants it to be relational, but he has also given us a roadmap some signposts along the way so we can take stock. We can say, am I still headed in the right direction or not? And so our scripture for today is out of Ephesians 4, 14 through 15. And we'll have a number of other scriptures, but this is our key verse. And I just want us to take a moment to prepare our hearts for God's word. And in fact, would you just hold your hands open as a sign of an open heart and mind to receive the word of the Lord this morning. Ephesians 4, 14, and 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Amen. God's plan for you And for me, is that we would grow up, that we wouldn't just stay little toddlers in our faith, that we wouldn't just pray the the prayer that says, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, lead my life, and that's it. He doesn't want us to just barely get into heaven. He wants us to be walking, in fact, running down the well-worn path of faith 
that it becomes second nature to us. That the signposts that we see, we go past time and time again, and we're like, yes, I continue to run forward in the path. I become more and more like Christ every time I walk down this well-worn path. Psalm 23.3, that beautiful passage of Scripture, the 23rd Psalm, this snippet tells us this, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. So before we jump into the five signposts on the well-worn path of spiritual formation, I just want to give you a break. Sometimes coming to church and hearing a sermon and hearing all the things we should be doing and the things we shouldn't be doing is discouraging. It feels like another task we have to perform. And how many of you have a lot of extra time in your life to just do more? A lot of extra energy. You're like, I don't know what to do with all my time and energy. No, that's typically not it. And a relationship with Christ is not meant to be another burden placed on your back or another to-do list for you to have to check off. That's why I wanted to look at this verse. As we walk this well-worn path, What does it produce? It produces a restoration in our soul. A hope, a life, a completeness, a fullness, a peace that we can't find pursuing any other thing. That's the beauty of a relationship with Christ. It's the right thing to do, but it also produces the right things in our hearts in our lives. So my prayer for you today is that as we talk about these things, your soul would be restored. There'd be an excitement in your spirit saying, I didn't realize I could do that. I didn't realize that option was there for me. I didn't realize I had stopped so short when God has such a much more beautiful, rich, satisfying path for me to walk. So our first road sign on the well-worn path of spiritual formation is follow Jesus. Pretty simple. Follow Jesus like, well, duh. In fact, all of these are kind of, well, duh things. But we need to remind ourselves of them because we're forgetful. And we get going and we have preferences that we're like, well, this is the part of Christianity that's my little corner of it. And God's saying, oh, there's so much more. Follow Jesus. This is what the disciples did. They didn't believe Jesus was God before they started following him. They didn't know that Jesus was the Savior of the world when they started to follow him. One of, a few of them were fishing. One of them was sitting at a tax collecting table. Another one named Nathaniel, he's maybe my favorite disciple, he was sitting under a tree. I'm like, oh, I can relate to that, Nathaniel. I'm just sitting under a tree, and Jesus called him. And they said, yes, I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll follow you. And as we go through these steps, I want you to know these are not Highland central steps. These are not things that only a Highland person can do. I'll share some of the things that we offer as a church that you can jump in if you need some assistance in these steps. But this is something that anyone of any age, of any intellectual ability, of any physical ability, at any point on the globe, at any time throughout history can do. 
So this is not just something that's honed and only for us. This is for anyone who's ever been born. These steps are available. So the first one is to, as you follow Jesus, there's three points under that. Go to church. Go to church. If you can get out physically, get out physically and get to church. There's something about bodily being in the presence of other believers as we sing and pray and praise and take communion together. But if you can't get out physically, there are more ways to go to church now than there has ever been in the history of the world. You could go to 25 churches this morning if you put it on three times speed and just really watched them. There's no reason in our lives that we can't go to church. Now, we know the church is not a building. The church is the gathering of the saints. It's the, those who've come together. And you don't have to be a Christian to go to church. Did you know that? In fact, we want a lot of non-Christians coming to Highland Church. I want more and more unbelievers coming to Highland Church. I want this to be a place that's almost 50-50. But then every week... Some of those unbelievers are taking the next step in following Jesus. Taking the next step in following Jesus, which is salvation. Salvation is the term we use to talk about giving our life to Jesus and allowing him to save us from ourselves, from our sin, from our brokenness, from our bad decisions, from that thing we did last night that we shouldn't have done, and now we feel it this morning we shouldn't have done it. But salvation is this, saying, Jesus... I accept your forgiveness for everything I've ever done wrong and ever will do wrong. And I ask you to be the leader of my life. I want to follow you, Jesus. Not just my Savior, but my Lord and my God. So church attendance falls under follow Jesus. Salvation falls under follow Jesus. And then the two ordinances that God gave the church, which is baptism and communion. Baptism is that physical act of being dunked underwater and coming up that identifies us with the sacrifice of Christ, his burial and resurrection. And if you haven't been baptized, let me know, because we're going to do a baptism in December, and we'd love for you. Don't worry, the water is warm, and it's inside. We have a baptismal right below that center screen. But we'd love for you to be baptized since you believed. Maybe you were baptized as an infant. Praise God that your parents wanted that for you. But the Bible gives us the pattern of once you've believed, then you're baptized. It's not that that baptism was bad. It's just that you get to choose for yourself now if you want to be baptized. And we'd love for you to do that. In fact, that's kind of the first command of Jesus for a Christian. I've heard it said, Jesus is waiting for you at the waters of baptism. And some of you have lived as a believer for years. You've been saved, but you haven't obeyed. And Jesus is saying, just do it. Yeah, you get up in front of people and you get a little wet. I died on the cross for you. Okay, you can handle it. And if you're the kind that says, I cannot get in front of people, talk to me. We'll fill this thing up on a Tuesday night and baptize you or a Wednesday or whenever. We don't want there to be any hindrance for you. The other is communion, something that we do every week here that reminds us of the death of Christ, that he gave his physical bodies for us, not just some spiritual idea, but he loved you so much that he died for you. But we also read in the passage that Pastor Bob read for us today, we do this to remember his death until he comes again. 
communion is also a reminder of his resurrection. Jesus never asked us to remember his birth, which we're all getting ready to do, and you already hear the songs and see all the ads on TV. That's great, but he never asked us to celebrate Christmas. But he did give us baptism and communion to remember his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that's what he asks us to remember. So that's a regular part of it. So following Jesus through church attendance, salvation, baptism, communion. As we go through this, I just want to encourage you um, to maybe underline the ones that you are, you've done or you're in the process of doing. And then maybe just put a little line next to the ones that aren't part of your normal life, aren't part of your practice or you haven't done yet. It'll help you know, like, where am I on this process? So that first stage of the journey, following Jesus, is it's an exciting, life-giving part. It's that time when a baby is born and the world is new, and a lot of times those new Christians that are just starting to follow Jesus are so passionate. They jump into everything, and they want to be a part of it all. But we want to make sure church attendance, salvation, baptism, and communion are the things you're doing for sure. The next signpost is to form your foundation. It's important what you believe and some of those actions, but if you don't drive your foundation into the bedrock of Christ, you're going to get pushed around a lot. In fact, the verse that we read at the beginning out of Ephesians, the first part of that is that people are blown around by every wind of teaching that comes along. And God doesn't want that in your life. He doesn't want you chasing after the newest teaching or hearing something on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok and being like, that must be true. There are ancient aliens that came and built the pyramids. Whoa, I need to follow this. And then you build a whole lifestyle on these kinds of bizarre teachings. Maybe there were. We weren't there, okay? I don't know. But I don't need to make that the focus of my life. I want a solid foundation that I don't get pushed around. We read in Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Oh, would I like to know where I'm going? Wouldn't you like to know what tomorrow holds? Wouldn't you like a perfectly clear path where you'd know every day exactly what's coming? Some of you are like, no, I love the wildness of life. Praise God. Bless you. That's great. I like the well-worn path. But God doesn't reveal exactly what's going to happen. He just points us in the direction and shows us each step to take, trusting him that it produces something good. So to form your foundation, you need the Bible. That is the foundation of all that we believe. It's not just some ancient book of some nice writings that someone put down. It is the very inspired God-breathed word, written by over 40 people, 66 books, all inspired by the Holy Spirit over thousands of years to teach us the truth of who God is and his beautiful plan of inviting us into relationship with him. The first thing I do when I have a question, the first thing I do when I'm uncertain about something is to go to scripture. It's the first thing I read when I got up and get up in the morning. I want to set the course of my life by the Bible. I want to drive those pylons of my life into the foundation of Scripture. You know, you don't have to figure out if everything is true or false in the world. You just need to know what's true. And the false becomes obvious. 
The false shines bright when you are anchored in the word of God. So take time to read it for yourself. And then the second part of that is to pray. Ask God, what are you showing me through the word? Help me understand the Bible. Help me grow in it. You know, with reading the Bible, we just had a new class kick off this last Tuesday, how to read the Bible for all it's worth. And let me tell you, it is rich. It is deep. It will help you understand scripture. If you're stuck there, check that out. Six thirty Tuesday nights in the youth room here and see how your understanding of scripture grows. Praying, talking with God personally, having conversation with Jesus. People have said public speaking is their greatest fear. I refute that. Public praying is people's... I mean, if you get even asked to pray at Thanksgiving, you're like, uh, 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 uh. My uncle is a Lutheran pastor, and he used to pray these beautiful prayers over Thanksgiving where he would sing them, and I was just like, I could never, ever do that. And when God called me to be a pastor, I'm like, I can't sing. I would not be a blessing if I sang over the Thanksgiving meal as a prayer. And God said, you don't have to. You just talk. You just be you. Talk to me the way you talk. And that's what I want. And that's what God is saying to you. Talk with him the way you talk. Not with some high, lofty language. Unless you use that all the time. If you come home and you're like, hello, my beautiful dear. Greetings upon you. I am so grateful to have been bestowed in this beautiful presence, then pray like that. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before thee with supplications. If that's you, God bless you. But if you're like me and you're like, God, I don't know what's going on right now. I need your grace. I feel out of balance and I don't have answers. Talk to him like that. He loves it. He loves the authenticity of our prayer. The other one is ongoing learning. So read the Bible, pray, but do some ongoing learning. Listen to good podcasts, listen to sermons, read some good books that help bolster your spiritual walk, that help drive foundational truth into the ground. And I want to encourage this. It's okay to read new books. There's a lot of really good new books that have come out. The Three Mile Valley by our own Dan Herod is a powerful scriptural book about how to deal with suffering, and I encourage that. But reading some of the church fathers and mothers, some of those tried and true texts will be powerful in helping you grasp the depth, the breadth, the height of the love of God. So study ongoing learning. Maybe you don't like reading Listen to podcasts. There's so many good podcasts out there about who God is, growing in your spiritual life, forming a foundation. And then the last thing for forming a foundation, serve in a ministry. Find some place to serve. Shake someone's hand as they walk in. Serve them a cup of coffee. Help set up a room or tear it down. Work in kids' ministry. Work in youth ministry. Go on a missions trip. Be on the worship team. Serve as an usher. Find somewhere to serve other people. I've learned more from serving other people than almost anything else in my spiritual journey. In fact, the first thing I remember doing serving people involved this piece of machinery. Um, Now, this is not something from Blade Runner. Uh, It's not some ancient sci-fi piece of material. That, my friend, is an overhead projector. 
And what me and my best buddy Butch would do at First Assembly of God in Appleton, Wisconsin on Kesting Court is we would sit at the front of the sanctuary during worship to seventh grade boys. They had a lot of faith to put two seventh grade boys who were best friends at the front, one on each side, and we had a screen here and a screen there. Actually, I think it was just a white wall, painted white. We didn't have screens, but we would have all the lyrics for the songs on the overheads, and we'd put them on there and look up, and they're backwards, and you flip them over, and you move them, and it goes the opposite way because the lens. But what that taught me is to serve. What that taught me is that I have a place in the kingdom of God. What that taught me is I matter. And one of the things I love about Highland Church is we let all ages serve here. We have our kids, like when Pastor Laura and I preached two weeks ago, leading us in worship. We have our teenagers every week on our worship team, speaking in youth group, serving in the front foyer. We have the oldest people that attend our church serving every single week. You don't have to be a certain age or qualification or level of ability to serve at Highland Church. Because serving is driving your foundation into the ground, realizing it's not just about you and Jesus. It's about what you and Jesus can do for others. And your foundation will go deep. Moving forward from there, kind of the center of this whole thing, I I put this in the middle of the well-worn path for a reason, or maybe the Holy Spirit did, because I rearranged this whole thing so many times and brought it to the staff, and we rearranged it, and like, okay, this is the right thing. The, The center of this whole thing is to love and obey God. To love and obey God. If this isn't the center of it all, it is a list of behaviors to adjust. It becomes religion. Which, what is religion? Some of you are like, that's a good thing. I'm religious. Okay, but this is kind of the Bible's way of explaining religion. Religion is human's attempt to get to God. What God has set up is relationship which is God's power to connect with you right where you are. Because God loves you. He cares about you. He knows your name and knows what brings you joy and what your challenges are. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. And he wants to be in a loving relationship with you. To love and obey God. Psalm 143.10 says this, Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. So how can we love and obey God? The first thing that God's given us to love and obey him is worship. Singing songs of praise and worship. Did you know that's an obedience thing? That's not just if you like it or not. But man, do I like it. I am so thankful for our worship team and tech crew that set up an environment of praise and worship around here that we get to just come in and praise our God. And the more I do it, the more I love it. The more I praise God, the more I love him and understand his love for me. To love and obey God starts with worship, giving him the worth he deserves honoring him. Sometimes the more time you spend with someone, the more you like them. The more you give of yourself for them, the more you receive from them. So worship. The second is giving. And 
today is our best gift to Jesus offering, but giving is meant to be a regular part of the Christian's life. And not just giving money, but giving of ourselves for other people, giving of ourselves for God's kingdom to advance. Not because God needs our money or needs our help or needs our time. I mean, according to scripture, he created the heavens and the earth with just his voice. I don't think he needs my ability to go clean someone's yard. But it becomes a love relationship. And sometimes when we've done things wrong, we want to push back from the table a little bit. We want to stop serving because we want to stop giving because we're like, I've broken this relationship with you. And in fact, Tom, Tom Van Veen, would you come on up? Right after prayer today, he came and shared this illustration with me, and it just gripped me, and I said, would you share that today? And he's like, uh, sure. So Tom, come on up and just share what God put on your heart. Um, sometimes we're like a, a, little, a little child who's ridden his bicycle right into the side of dad's brand new car and we left a big scratch and and all day long we're like I gotta avoid dad I got I just I gotta hide and and so 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 we step and and every time we see dad we run the other way but by the end of the day we're just like I gotta fess up I gotta tell him I gotta tell him and so you sneak into his room and you're like uh Dad, I got to tell you something. And he's like, come on, come on. What you, what you got? What you got? I've been looking for you all day. And he said, well, I scratched your car. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know. I, know, I fixed that already. I, 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 got a, uh, I got some, I buffed it out. And, I, and as a matter of fact, it's better than new now. I got a chance to wax the whole car. So it's awesome. Thanks. And you're like, what? And he goes, I, I've wanted to talk to you all day long. There's so many things I've wanted to do. I wanted to invite you in. I want... God wants us to establish or reestablish family with you. He wants to reestablish connection with you. And, and we're all like, oh, but, but my sin, we remember our sin. And he's like, no, it's better than new. It's better than new. And I just want you, I want relationship with you. And, and so we're so timid coming to God. And he's like, Arms open wide. Come on in. Come on in. Thank you, Tom. That is so good. And when we fall short, because we don't worship right or we don't give right, or the next one, certainly we aren't living like Jesus enough, our natural response is to pull back is to hide behind the doors, to avoid the presence of the God who loves us more than we can imagine, even though he knows us all the way down. And he's just saying, no, come close. I got stuff for us to do today. I got things for us to do. I, I have a purpose. I have a plan. I have a model for you to grow into. I have things that if you do them, you will be more like Jesus. You will be more fully my child rather than we feel we got to stay away because he's going to strike us down or be mad at us. That's why Christ came. That's why Christ gave his all in all. So that not only could we love and obey God, but 
we could experience the love of God that causes us to want to obey him. I remember when I was a teenager, our youth pastor would say, when you understand the love of God, you're not going to have to worry about your behavior. And I was like, whatever, dude. You don't know my behavior. You don't know how deeply the wrong in me is. That you think I just understand God's love and love him more and I don't have to worry about my behavior. And I've discovered, now that I'm 49 years old, that he was right. That the more I know the love of God, the less I have to worry about my behavior because it lines up with Christ's plan for me. Not saying I never have to make the choice to do what Christ wants me to do, make the choice to obey because I do, but that choice becomes easier and easier and the result is so life-giving and fulfilling. We're to live like Christ. The the theological word for that is sanctification. That every day we are more and more sanctified. We let go of the old stuff that holds us back, that belittles us, that steals from us, that brings death and broken relationships. And we step forward into the wholeness of living like Christ. Now, it may not be popular with everyone. They killed Jesus for being like Jesus. But our souls will be full. Our God We'll be able to show us his love because we're not hiding behind the door of our failure. We're stepping forward in him. There's life changed the longer we walk this well-worn path with God. And not only is it a choice we make or an experience we have, God has a gift to empower us to live right, to empower us to live out the way that makes us more like Christ. And that gift is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is a beautiful gift. We see it in Acts 2 poured out on the disciples. They're speaking in tongues. There's fire over their head. 3,000 people are getting saved. They have boldness and confidence to go to jail and still share about Jesus. They see miracles happen. They see transformations. They see the gifts of the Spirit, wisdom and knowledge and miracles and faith and discernment and tongues and interpretation of tongues just become a normal part of life. And if you haven't received that baptism of the Holy Spirit yet, maybe that's your next step. Maybe say, Holy Spirit, I'm open. God the Father, will you give me the gift of your Spirit in a baptizing work, an overflowing work? Every Christian has the Holy Spirit in them from the moment of salvation. But God has this well of the Spirit. He wants to flow over you that everywhere you go, you're impacting the world, not by your own strength, but because you love and obey God, empowered, fueled by the Holy Spirit. So the next signpost, we've talked about following Jesus, choosing to say yes to him and and discover who he is. We've talked about the importance of forming a foundation. And then looking at loving God and obeying him, all these things are kind of internal, are kind of me and you, Jesus. Me and you, we're on this thing together. But God never intended this path to be walked alone. He wants you to grow godly friendships. He wants you to grow godly friendships with other Christians, with other believers who are on the path with you, who are walking the road of Jesus with you, that they can encourage you and call you forward and you can help them up if they trip and fall, that you're able to move forward together and not alone. 
Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10b says this, or 10a. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. I can tell you, I've been on a lot of backpacking trips and hiking trips, and when you go with someone else, you go farther. Because you're like, I'm not giving up. Are you giving up? No. No, okay, I'm not wimping out. And when you walk the path of Christ with others, you go farther. You have more stamina. You have more intention. You don't give up like you would on your own. Because you are with someone to encourage you. If you fall down, someone's there to pick you up. That's one of the beautiful things I love about our church family. We're not perfect at it, but if someone fails, if someone falls, if someone makes a mess, we don't back away and point our fingers. Say, you terrible, sick, broken junk. We come alongside and say, what can I do to help you? How can I be here for you in your pain? How do we get back up and go forward? And I just look at some of the faces I'm seeing right now, and I know the stories of how you've done that for other people. Some of you have welcomed them into your home. Some of you who have given uncomfortable amounts of time and energy. Some of you who have fed others, who've gone into dark places with the love of Christ. You've been there. And the way the Bible uses this term is fellowship. Fellowship is a churchy word for being in each other's lives. Being authentic, being caring, being loving, being in each other's lives. Do you have someone whose life you get to share? A fellow Christian who you can grow together? If not, we've got small groups you can be a part of to jump on board and start getting to know people. Otherwise, come early and eat some donuts and drink some coffee and talk to people. Or hang out after church. I mean, we are almost always kicking people out of here. We try not to because we love fellowship. But it's like, uh, I got to go. I, we got to lock up. Um, but spend time with people. Break that awkward silence. Okay, can we all be okay with a little bit of awkwardness? It leads, yeah, some of us are too okay with awkwardness. It leads us to friendship. It breaks that barrier of silence between you and another person. Go up and say hi to someone today. Next week, two weeks from now, maybe call up a buddy and go out to do something fun together. Begin building godly friendships. Grow them. And then share with others. I already shared a little bit about this, how you've helped each other, people giving rides and bringing meals to others and helping them with bills, things like that. In the early church, the new church, right after 3,000 people got saved, the Holy Spirit had been poured out. They sold everything they had and had everything in common with each other. No one was in need because if there was a need, someone else in the church met the need. And it didn't all have to flow through the pastor or the church proper. There's just a love, a knowledge, a care for one another. I'm not telling you you have to sell all your stuff, okay? I'm just saying we have this privilege of sharing life with each other, growing godly friendships that can form things in us and others. This is part of the well-worn path that God has for us. One more. Are you up for one more? Our last signpost? No? I, I got one yes. Thank you. <laughs> we'll wrap it up with this. Lead others. Lead others. So it starts with you following Jesus. 
And then you forming a foundation in your life and then loving God and obeying God and growing godly friendships. And then you get to lead other people down the path. As you've walked it around, you get to walk it again and again and again. And you start influencing the lives of others for eternity, for the kingdom of God. And it is so life-giving. And your relationship with Jesus will go so deep so quickly when you have the responsibility of leading someone else. I promise you that. And some of you are paused right at that sign, and you're like, nope. Uh-uh. I'm not walking down that part of the path. I'll just circle back to fellowship. That's, that's good. No, no, no. I'll circle back to communion. I'll just take communion. I'll go to church, take communion, and go home. That's good. And God's like, oh, the best is yet to come. You don't even know what I got in store for you. Come on down. Cross the chicken line. Get down this next part of the path. Lead others. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. A simple way for you to lead others is share your faith. What did Jesus do in your life? Now, you don't have to wait till you're at this point in the path to share Jesus with someone else. You can do it way at the beginning. But this is a way you point others towards the path of life, to that spiritual practice that will produce Christ in us. Build relationship with God. Share your faith with someone. Invite them to church. Talk about what Jesus has done in your life. Think of a time you sensed God show up and share that with someone else. Maybe you're terrified of that and you're like, uh-uh, no. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And he will kindly, gently open doors. I meet with a guy every other week. We're good friends. We're brothers in the faith. We've grown these Christian uh, friendships together. And he tells me every day I wake up, I say, Jesus, who do I get to share you with today? And he said, every single day I get to share Jesus with someone. I usually pray with three or four people every day. Some that I know, some that I don't. I'm like, what a life, just being on the lookout. Some of you are hunters, and you're like, yes, it is coming the blessed time of the year when I get to sit outside and freeze and kill a beautiful animal. You love it, and that's good. God bless you. We need you killing those animals so they don't destroy our cars. But isn't it fun? to scope out the land. Isn't it fun when you hear a noise? Oh, what's that? Do you hear that? And then you see that beautiful squirrel walk by. <laughs> no! But what if we were that way sharing Jesus with people, looking for the signs, listening? Where's a good place where I can have a natural conversation? Our college students went out two nights in a row down out the square with all the drunk people to share Jesus with them. And they just walked up and started a conversation and ended up being able to invite some to Chi Alpha, invite some to church, share hope with them. If they can do that, we can say, Jesus loves you to someone we're in line with, or we can say, hey, it looks like you're going through a hard time. Could I pray for you about anything? Just to share our faith with others, that we don't keep it for ourselves, but we give it away. The other one is lead others. Now, I know I have lead others under lead others, but there's a reason, because we need to lead others, lead others. All you have to do is be one step ahead of someone to lead them. You don't need a doctorate in theology. 
You just need one step ahead of the other to lead them. Say, hey, I found myself here. Can I lead you to this? And then you take another step. And then you invite them to take another step. If you're really uncertain about your faith, go work with the preschoolers. You'll be able to lead them. You know more about Jesus than they do, but you might learn something in the process. Because whenever we lead others, we also learn. We also grow. Our faith gets richer and deeper and fuller. And then lead in a ministry. Now, there's a difference between serving in a ministry and leading in a ministry. You can serve in a ministry with never leading, but God is going to call you at some point to lead in a ministry. We got verse listeners here. And they have a leader who um, has been a part of our church for a number of years. And she, uh, Melissa Oliver, she said yes when Pastor Laura said, hey, would you lead in a ministry? Now, this woman is newly married. She has two sons who are on the autism spectrum. She's a business owner of Rocky Rococo's. She has enough to do in life. But when Pastor Laura invited her into this leadership position, she said yes. And she said, Wednesdays are my favorite night of the week. Getting to see these little kids share their Bible verses with different verse listeners. And we have a few of them here listening as the little ones share their Bible verses they've memorized. There's a place for you to lead in a ministry. Let's talk. Talk with one of our pastors or ministry leaders. We will work and see, are you at that level of maturity where you can lead in a ministry? But that is a goal that God has for you, to use your life with purpose and passion. So as we wrap up today, worship team, come on up. As we each take our own personal journey in Christ, imagine what it looks like when a community of believers like Highland Church, each one of us taking our next step on the well-worn path, following Jesus, forming a firm foundation, obeying and loving God, growing godly friendships, and then leading others. It will change us, but it will change the cities we live in, the neighborhoods we live in, the places we work, the nation we live in, the world we live in, in big and little ways, in some ways we may never find out about. But our job is just to walk the well-worn path and watch what God does in us and through us. So I want to encourage you to take that list that you got. If you didn't get a bulletin, grab one on the way out. They'll be at the Welcome Center. Grab that and Figure out where you are. What's your next step on this well-worn path? And then take it. Take it. Don't wait. God's got it ready for you. He's prepared it. He will lead you down that next step. Maybe you're four, four steps down, but you missed something early. Maybe you haven't been baptized yet. Maybe you never remember asking Jesus to be the leader of your life, your God, your Savior. I don't know. But fill that gap. And keep walking the well-worn path. Because God has a well-worn path for us to walk. As we close, I just want to pray for anyone here who hasn't taken that first step. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be the leader of your life. I'm going to pray for you. And ask that you'd agree with me in prayer as I say these words out loud. You say them in your heart. Dear Jesus, I need you. I need to be saved. I need you to save me from my past, from my sin, from the things I've been doing that don't please you and aren't right. 
I give all that to you and I also give you my life. Would you be my God, my guide, and will you fill me up with your Holy Spirit that I can live out the life you have for me? Amen. And God, I pray that you'll help each one of us take our next step, that this becomes a path we walk so regularly, we don't even have to think about it. It's just become part of who we are as you've formed us into the image of your Son, as we become more Christ-like each day. Thank you that you haven't abandoned us. Thank you that there's more that you have in store. Bless your people. And Lord, as we're about to do our best gift offering, take this, anoint it, and use it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and please join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for our worship service.